Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. This this second recording on a Tuesday evening. Gentlemen, how does it feel? Great. <laughs> Great. I gotta go to work tomorrow, so... This is this is a nice like buffer between one work day to the next. <laughs> yeah, uh, work is is the pits. Well, not the pits. I mean, it's a it's a lot, and it's a little overwhelming. So it's good to get this very nice break where I can actually have some joy and laugh with good friends <laughs> before uh, more True work. That. True yeah. that. True that. I feel that. I we are now in person, sort of at work. So I'm still looking at like 90% of my kids on blank screens, but three of them are in class and it's arguably more boring than all virtual. So, you know, that's, that's what it is. So it's good to have this as a buffer to be like, oh, people that turn their cameras on can actually talk to me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Also speaking of uh, COVID related things, let it be known that yesterday morning I was vaccinated just on the podcast. Let's put it out there. Hey. Get it. Yes. Meanwhile, both what Charles, date again? Huh? Say again? Your second date is when again? Recorded for posterity? Oh, <laughs> May 10th is the second day. Pfizer, not Johnson & Johnson. That's done now. Um, not mm. Moderna. Pfizer. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Praise God for that. Oh and God. thank you, nurses, for kicking tail. Like, killing yes. the game. So Thank efficient. You. Efficiency. Thank you, nurses. Thank you, doctors. Thank you, science, <laughs> for like just being about it this year. It's even though a lot of people don't understand you. Thank you for being <laughs> about it, science. <laughs> Said the science teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just said a little biased, but you know, it seemed relevant. All right. So we are going to transition into our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, all you've got to do is email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's number three, then guys at the well, all one word in lowercase at gmail.com. And our question for this week, gentlemen, is a would you rather? Ooh. Yeah, get excited. So would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or an astronaut? Olympic gold medalist. Oh, do you want to want to elaborate? That was quick. I'm I'm afraid of space. <laughs> Just plain yeah, and Charles, you stole my answers. Like gold medalist, why would I go to space? Why would I go to space? No interest. I've seen too many movies, <laughs> which of course are fictional, but space is scary. Terrifying. Space is scary. Yeah. I have a very similar answer to Charles. Look, I if I could get rid of my fear of just you know, dying in the void of space, <laughs> then yeah, I would totally want to see, I would just want to float, just be out, just be out in space for a moment and just see our planet. How amazing must that be to see how, like, I, I want to see that view, but I'm also like, I'm fine here, you know, with gravity and both feet planted on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I think that the, the idea of space is something that has been it's cor it's been corrupted by so many sci-fi movies and people think of space as something that it isn't and don't recognize how scary it is like it's just it's just a void 
Like it's that that's all of it. It's a vacuum. Just, it's a vacuum. And like, yeah, there's like God is amazing. And he just flexed when he made the universe because most of it is stuff that isn't really doing anything other than looking really cool from a distance. But that's way out there. And like going to space practically just means like, yeah, there's just darkness everywhere I look in like the earth and the moon and then just more darkness. I like I you know, I guys, I don't mess with water. And to me, the ocean is just like wet space. So if I'm not if I'm not with that, I'm not going to be with the like, it's just not a thing. It's not a thing. I mean, that makes sense, though. Like, yeah, it does. The ocean is terrifying. It is terrifying. Okay, no. So I don't necessarily agree with that. But I think the ocean is somewhat terrifying, but it's also really cool. Okay, what where have you where have you been in the ocean? That's like, have you been out in open water where you're just kind of like out and about? It's it's so have I. It's scary, Charles. You're talking to the man who wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, I think the ocean is fascinating. Oh, okay. Again, totally fascinating. But even when I went out, like, snorkeling, I would love to go out snorkeling again. I want to go out scuba diving again. Like, I want to do stuff again out in the water. But there's a moment that takes your breath away that says, I am totally exposed. Now, I would do that over and over and over again but in space what 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 separates you is this what looks to be i don't know little suit just like what but two inches of <laughs> from death freezing and burning immediately <laughs> just, yeah yeah i can't exactly um, goodness gracious well i mean segueing from that into our passage for this week oh exciting news we discovered not discovered came up with a title for this season in between recording the first two episodes and promo sode that went out this week so if you're confused by what you hear in the next couple of weeks sorry but the t- the title of this season in this bible study of first john is back to basics because john covers a lot of very genuine like foundational theology about who jesus is what he came to do what that means for us. So we are going to we're going back to basics this season to see what John's reminder of these things actually teaches us about what it means to be people of faith who walk in trying times today. So an actual segue. Today's passage is from 1 John 2 verses 15 through 29. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. John writes this letter to a church under attack from outside influences with their own warped beliefs about humanity, salvation, and God himself. In response, John outlines how to spot these liars by reminding the believers of his past teachings and imploring them to consider the passing nature of the world and set their eyes on things above. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. 
Even now, many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. And what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing that you, which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Gentlemen, what are some takeaways from this passage in 1 John? I, uh, maybe I'll start with the last or the, the second to last verse, if I, if I can. Uh, I was just talking to our good friend, um, Chris, and we were talking about our, our prayer life, and he made a, a comment to me that I really enjoyed. He said, he said, how's your prayer life? And he said, I'm sorry, actually, how's your relationship with Jesus? Um, and I thought that was really not clever, but wise, because that's really important. And in verse 28, I think gets to that. Um, it says, and now little children abide in him. And I think that verse John's really getting at, how's your relationship with Jesus? Are you abiding with him? And, and, you know, for a lot of us, that is prayer. That's prayer is how we develop our relationship with him. But um, there's something about maintaining a relationship with Christ that's super important that I think John is getting at. And he kind of ends this, this selection with that. Um, <clears throat> and we'll probably talk about this a little bit, but he's ending the selection about the, the end times and when Christ comes again. And I think there's something about uh, exhorting us to maintain our relationship with the Lord so that when he comes again, we have confidence in our relationship with him and we won't be put to shame, um, as it says there in, in verse 28. Yeah, I I love that, Charles. Um, props to Chris. <laughs> Shout out if you're listening to this, Chris. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that hit me most was in verse 26, these things I have written to you um, con concerning those who try to deceive you and that being the sort of one of the main defining factors of what it means to be a, a, an antichrist um and so in the the gospel according to john the apostle john gives the account of jesus speaking with his disciples about returning to god the father thomas asks him um lord we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way jesus answered i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me 
Um, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so many of the same, like, that's the truth that that we're trying to, that, that the world is attempting to deceive us out of. But it, it we're, like, there are these constant, whether it's a moment, whether it's a person in our life who isn't someone who has a relationship, like you were talking about, Charles, with Jesus, um, it, whether it's just rhetoric, sociopolitical rhetoric that tries to push us away from uh, discipleship. Like there's all these things that are trying to deceive us from believing that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And so John reveals that in, in this account of Jesus in his letter that we're reading through now, we're reading John's urgency in preserving the gospel of truth. Don't uh, love the ways of the world. You won't learn to love Jesus by living in sin. And don't be deceived. There will be antichrists. It's plural. Um, antichrists, which means people who go against Christ, people who go against Jesus, um, who would trick you out of believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, like he said he is. And this deception, this trickery won't, at least I think, doesn't happen, doesn't always happen, because the antichrists are necessarily trying to trick us out of um, loving God. Not everyone is saying, boo, Jesus, boo. Um, this deception also happens because people who still don't love Jesus are only capable of offering a worldly gospel to us, as if somehow a broken world could satisfy. Um, and so I, I don't know, in my mind, I think, yes, people who are intentionally antichrist are also dangerous in, in, in the ways in which they're trying to deceive us out of, out of faith. But I think people who also don't know any better also can be postured as antichrist because, again, they don't know any better. Um, and there's a lot of things trying to lull us into a sense of false security that is apart from God. And that can, I absolutely agree with that point. And that can come from within the church sometimes. I think it's important to recognize that, like, we we want to obviously be a part of a body of believers uh, as this, the church, like capital C on earth, who uh, is seeking Jesus for exactly what you said, Charles, like a relationship and like seeking to know his heart on things, but it's possible to run into what run into within the church ways that it's been corrupted by politics or ways that it's been corrupted by per, like personal interest. And in so doing, does not reflect the character of Jesus or, or does so inaccurately or does so disingenuously. And that was one of the things that, that stuck out to me to this, that like a lot of, and we'll, I'll get to this in a bit, but the idea that this, the, the, the marker that John gives for this phrase antichrist, I don't know about you guys, I've heard people throw that around in my life. Like I've heard people basically assign it to a lot of like, uh, celebrities or politicians or just anyone in the world's view that they don't agree with like oh they're the antichrist which is a an immature way of viewing this I think but the marker that John gives to identify like you said Eli these people is like who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ and that doesn't just mean someone who with their mouth just says it like that's typically not the way that people work like that's really really obvious um but it really again calls us to something else that john compels us as dear children to do and that is to abide in jesus so that you will know what his character is 
and be able to determine when someone is selling you like a, a bill of goods that isn't actually aligned with that character. So it's not John saying, if anyone, if you, if you, you test people by going up to him and saying, is Jesus the Christ? It's not always that simple. And it's really about like, do you know the man? Do you know what his heart is? Do you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus that allows you to recognize the things that even when it's not spelled out in black and white are not of him? like the rhetoric, the actions, the state of mind that does not reflect who Jesus is, which feeds into what we said about this book early on. Like John speaks in a way of like, he opens this book with like the truth that like our, we have seen, that our hands have handled. Like he speaks about Jesus so intimately as a way of saying like, we know who Jesus is, like legit, like not in the way that you or I do, but we have been with him and like dined with him and like met, done ministry with him so consider what you know about him in your you know just going through life and going through the world and let that be the barometer and so like yeah i in the warning about antichrist the warning about um abiding there's such a call to like like you said charles you gotta know jesus uh it's not just checking a box it's building a relationship with our mediator in our access to the father yeah i think it uh john doesn't necessarily tie these points together but i think you know he's speaking to a church that's facing legitimate like literal antichrist people who were denying that jesus was the christ and i think your point jerrell is really important for us in 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 modern culture to recognize that there are, and, and your point, Eli, that there are, there may be antichrists that aren't like proclaiming themselves an antichrist, but are not um, uh, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord through their, their words or their actions, um, or they don't know, or they don't know, <laughs> they don't have a relationship with him. They are not mirroring or attempting to mirror his image because let's be honest, um, I try and fail to do that all the time. Um, but I think again, it points to this: How will we know? How do? How can? How can we identify um, in our culture in today when there aren't as many literally literal antichrists? And the only way to know is to know the man himself through our relationship. And in verse fifteen, he John warns us: Do not love the world or the things of the world. Um, and I think he again he doesn't say this explicitly, but I think the way that a question we can ask is what are those things so he says the desires of the flesh um desires of eyes the pride and riches this is what my translation says and that gives us some sense but like what specifically does that look like in everyday life well um some of that's from scripture but uh, some of that is from knowing him and allowing him to speak into our lives and where he can point it out i know all of us have had experiences of the lord through our relationship with him telling us something that's not aligned that's of the world that we need to to uh repent and and ask the lord's forgiveness and that only comes through the relationship through abiding in him yeah i i'm glad that you brought up like verses 15 and 16 again um focusing on the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life as sort of like a definer for about well actually no i'll use the i'll use the um illustration of drawing a line. There was a young lady in my church who was giving a testimony about 
um, she was honoring someone. And in her testimony, she learned from this person um, that like Jesus draws a line in the sand for us and righteousness, goodness, holiness that God calls us to is not about how close you can get to the line without crossing it. It's about how far away you can get from the line in the direction of Jesus. Um, and so it's not about like sort of seeing like, oh, my, look, how, look how holy I am. I can come close to sinning, but I won't sin. It's like, well, God's actually not asking you to walk a, a he's not asking you to walk that line. He says to flee from, temp he says to like flee from the devil. Um, he says to flee from temptation. He says to resist, like we're supposed to be moving away from, pivoting away from repenting is like a leaving from that. And so I think when one thing that helped check yourself or at least check myself is like when you deal with like, are you, what are you satisfied by? Um, are you satisfied with the lust of the flesh? Are you satisfied by the lust of the eyes? Are you satisfied with pride and riches? Are you satisfied by the only things that the world, that like living on this world can offer you? Like, is that it? Or are you satisfied by the prompting that God gives to you? Because what, what does John say that we have? He says that you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. And so, like, the, this, this Holy One, this, this anointing, this um, goodness that God has put in us, the spirit of truth— is only going to prompt us in the direction of God and is only going to cause us to be satisfied in the things of God. Um, and I would, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as to anyone who's bothering to listen to us right now, like wrestle with the things that satisfy you in the daily, in the everyday of your life. Are you just not tripping? Are you not tripping over Jesus? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, does it not bother you that um, God's called you to something that's good, called you something that's life-giving, called you something that might be challenging or good. Like pray, like even setting up a prayer time, is that something that you can grow in satisfaction in? Like I've know a, a number, I know from personal experience, like Holy Spirit's prompting me, have a prayer time, talk to me today, throw out your, like tell me what you feel. It's not like I don't already know, but I want you to tell me what you know so that you know that you trust me. And does that satisfy me that I have those promptings in me? Does, do I follow through with that? And am I satisfied in that obedience? Um, or do I just try and hide behind, oh, I'm going to binge something, or I'm going to eat my feelings today, or I'm going to do whatever else. Sorry, I'm rambling, but like, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of in this right now where I feel both tugging at me, but only one of them is actually going to satisfy me. Praise be to God. That's him. Yeah. No, absolutely. I that actually gets into a question I was going to ask uh, for all of us. Of you know, John says at the opening, like, do not, as you both mentioned, uh, love the things of the world, like lust of the eyes and the flesh, pride of life, or pride and riches. Um, and he compels consistently here and throughout this uh, epistle to abide in Christ. And so, I was going to ask you both: for you, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean? to abide in Christ. Again, John, nothing if not consistent, uh, spends most of John 15, uh, like Gospel of John 15, talking about abiding in Christ. It gives the image of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, and so it's a word that comes up a lot, specifically in John's writing, is someone who like we chronicled and who is John, uh, was very, very close to the Lord. So for you both in your day to day life, in the practical matters, in dealing with the lust of the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life, what does it mean 
specifically and practically for you to abide? How can we get past just the word into like, well, what does that look like tangibly? Yeah, I think for me, and maybe we've shared about this, or I've shared about this before on the podcast. So if I repeat myself, listeners, I apologize. But, um, you know, talking about John 15, the imagery there is uh, the plant, right? Uh, Abiding in Christ. Um, And to me, I mean, obviously, my relationship with Lord, which is my personal prayer time is is the one way. um, And involved with that is scripture. But beyond that, I think about what are where do I get fed? What's my, if I am, if he's the vine and I'm a branch, if I'm growing, if I want to abide and be rooted in him, what's, what's the fertilizer? What's the water? What's the things that are actually feeding me with helping me actually be rooted in him? And so, you know, I have a, I'm blessed in that my, my home church is something there, you know, so attending church faithfully and being fed there, being fed by you guys studying the word in this podcast is a way that I abide and having intentional conversation about the way that God's speaking through his word. Um, I also am blessed to share men's group with you and sharing my life and being encouraged and um, by you guys and held accountable to living as a disciple uh, with you guys um, and, and other, other brothers and other sisters and, and finding intentional community, I think as well, um, where I can, in abide in Christ through uh, community, through fellowship with other brothers and sisters. So things like that. I, I think as a as a married man, um, uh, my wife Chelsea is a way that I abide, and and the different practices that we have as a family. You know, praying together as a as a couple, uh, praying with my uh, with my children, um, and instituting those practices that remind me that um, I need. I need to be rooted in Christ because I have a family and I want my kids to be rooted in Christ um, and, and praying for them with Chelsea and praying with them um, as part of our ongoing practice uh, of life. <laughs> so that's what, that's what comes to mind for me. Praise God. For me, abiding on a daily basis means trusting what is true about God and trusting what God says about me more than my feelings about me. For example, when I get angry and I, and I, it, it, I want to react to something, I then must consider what does God say about my anger? What does God say about vengeance belonging to him? What does God say about him being my refuge? Like what, how am I called to respond to all of the stimuli that's going on around me? Um, how am I called to react to people? So like if I'm annoyed at a particular individual sticking with the illustration, like how am I called to interact with that person that says, I want to glorify God in this moment. I want to, for, I want to glorify the fact that this person is an image bearer in this moment and that I'm an image bearer in this moment. Abiding is being obedient to what God says about himself and trusting that that's actually more true than how I feel about a particular person or a situation. I think if I like go based off of my feelings all of the time, then I start to say that well, what I feel is the most true thing that there is, and therefore I become governed by that, right? But if I then say, no, actually what God says is more true than how I feel, then regardless of how I feel, though my feelings matter at some point, I'm also going to say, all right, no, because what God says is true, 
I'm going to act based on that. I'm going to live based on that. I'll let that govern how I think about a person or a situation, about how I love somebody, about how I live my life. Yeah, abiding is trusting that God knows better and is better. You have a similar uh, way that I think about it. And that's like, you know, in the, there's a moment in scripture where Mary and Martha are preparing for Jesus. Um, and is it Martha that's like getting things ready? And Mary's the one that's like just hanging out with Jesus? I think so. I can never keep it straight, but I think you got it right. <laughs> uh, ooh. I will see. We'll see. Correct us if we're, we're wrong, listeners. I mean, by the time this airs, we'll probably have Googled it. But um, there's this passage where two sisters, Mary and Martha, are preparing for Jesus' arrival. And one of them is busy with like a lot of uh, stuff around the house, like practical details. And one of them is just sitting at the Lord's feet. And this is a whole passage we should include in a season somehow because there's a lot of good stuff in it. But um jesus talks about specifically the sister who sits at his feet and talks to him and says uh she has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her and so when i think of abiding for me it is a constant reminder that jesus is the better part that the other the ways that i'm tempted to cope with uh emotional distress or frustration whether that's like venting to a point that's unhelpful uh or consuming too much news or just like becoming more like guarded and not like and less vulnerable as I have a tendency to do when I get stressed about things that like all of those things are things that I can give to the Lord um, in a very tangible way because he's the better part and when I am stressed when I am angry when I'm frustrated when I'm tempted like the Lord himself is the better part. And it's kind of abiding for me means reminding myself of that. And God is so good. He's too good to me, genuinely. Um, and that like, I find often if I go through seasons of particular stress, just kind of getting too busy with work and kind of saying, well, if I just take care of things with work here or indulge like um, downtime in this way without, and I don't spend as much time in prayer scripture, then it'll be fine. Um, the Lord meets me in moments when I do go back to scripture, when I do go back to his word, and he often makes a point to meet me with a stillness and a peace and a willingness to be vulnerable that I find difficult in other places, almost as a way of saying like, yeah, I am the better part. Like I am better than these things that you put in your life to kind of distract yourself or to cope in the short term I am the better part I always am the better part and so for me it really comes down to not just time with him uh not just um taking time in prayer and taking time in scripture but translating that in ways of being mindful of him like in the trenches like throughout the day like Charles you and I were reading um ooh, practice of the presence of God is that the practicing the presence of god practicing yeah, the presence of god and he talks uh, he talks specifically in one part about like uh he gives us this analogy of a soldier giving fleeting glances to god in the midst of like a battle and how those are things that are pleasing to the lord like when there's all these other like pertinent things on his mind like taking time to look up and acknowledge um his maker and so 
for me, abiding looks like that. It's not just the time that I have, like extended time on weekends for prayer and scripture or uh, before my day starts, but also during the day to remind myself like throughout the day to, you know, in the moment, pray for students I'm concerned about or pray for situations I'm concerned about um, and be mindful of the fact that he is present in those things. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's how I would abide. And to kind of wrap us all up and reference one of the verses at the closing, um, so verse 28, John says, and now little children abide in him that when he appears, we have made, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and his coming. I read this and considering everything we said about abiding and abiding is one of the main ways in which we grow in the character of God by learning who he is. And I read this and I have this idea of like, I imagine kids who are home with a babysitter and they're like trying to find ways around like like loopholes and rules that their mom gave them for the babysitter and then mom show mom or dad show up and they're like in the midst of something they know that mom and dad wouldn't like and it's like well what are you doing and so there's this kind of this thing with with god where i think we get so good at loopholing our ways our way into sin or our way into just not acknowledging him for who he is and it's like well god didn't explicitly say it or you know this isn't technically like Eli said it's like walking up to the line without but not crossing it instead of running from it um and so as an encouragement to listeners and to our, to ourselves the idea of abiding being that like knowing the character of God so much not not just for the sake of being obedient but also being won over by him that we delight in like the integrity of the way that we live out our lives, the integrity in the way that which we abide. So that like, instead of just trying to sneak through the cracks of life in Christ, we're actively embracing it and actively embracing it out of knowledge of who Jesus is and knowing that like, he would be, because I know him, I wouldn't want to do anything to distance myself from him. Um, this is a conviction, maybe mostly to me, um, but to seek a kind of abiding in Christ that delights in who he is and delights in living in accordance with that. And that is all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes just about every Monday on Podbean's iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content. So up there now is our hope series. We just uploaded some new, a new series called Jesus in the movies. And we are very, very excited to get started with a new series on justice. So if any of that interests you, head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for that and much more. We'll talk to you next week here at the well.